gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Go Panthers. What is up, everybody? It is Friday, and it is now 12.05, so that means it is time for the Logan Blackman Show here on 94.5 KULT, everything UNI. And I'm trying to figure out something with the microphone. I don't get what's going on with this thing right now, but it's bothering me. It's like the cord's all pushed up, and it's rubbing up. It's pretty much touching my face. I don't not a huge fan of it. Not a, not a huge fan. But we're, we're going to try and look past this little obstacle, I guess you could say. It's just an annoying thing. It's not really anything huge. But as you know, as you're listening to it live on the radio or on the live stream, or if you're listening to it now on the podcast, which you can listen to on Spotify, thank you for listening to The Logan Blamish Show. If you noticed, maybe you didn't notice because maybe you don't really care, we did not have a show this past Wednesday. So the backstory behind that, my computer randomly, it's very random when it does this. It will lock my mouse and say, you can't control anything. So I can't move my mouse anywhere. It just completely freezes my computer. So then I have to restart the computer and try to access it again. And it might work. When I turn it back on, it might not. But on Wednesday, when I was in class, so I take my notes on my computer in my interpersonal communications class, and I couldn't turn the volume down. So usually when this happens, I mute the computer, restart it, so it doesn't do at the beginning, that little noise it makes when it restarts. So in the span of about two minutes, maybe less than that, probably a minute and a half, I restarted the computer a grand total of three times. And I was like, I can't do this. So I left the classroom. This is before class started. This is about like 9.57 or something a lot, something like that. So I go outside of the classroom. And in Lang Hall, you have little benches around the classrooms on the third floor. So you can sit there. I'm sitting there restarting and starting up my computer again. <laughs> it doesn't work. So I'm like, well, crap. How am I going to take notes in class? Luckily, I had a notebook. In my backpack, I usually don't have a notebook because usually I just take my notes on my computer. But I had my notebook, so I took notes on that. And I went back home, so I picked up a few cameras from the basement of Lang, I guess you could call it, the ground floor level of Lang. Because I, I was gonna, we were filming a video that night. So I was like, I'll go pick up the cameras and go home, plug my computer in, because sometimes it just needs to be plugged in, and then you can restart it, and then it will work again. So I grabbed the computers, or I grabbed the cameras, I'm walking back to my house, which from Lang to my house on university is not that far of a walk, but when you've got two cameras and two tripods on your shoulders, whew, that is an excellent shoulder workout. So if you are, quest- if you are self-conscious about your shoulders, carry two cameras, carry two Sony cameras in their cases from Lang Hall and two uh, tripods and walk back to my house. That is a killer. My shoulders are still sore from doing that. 
So then I get home, plug my computer in, still doesn't work. Then my roommate, one of my roommates is home, says, hey, I'm thinking about longboarding in a little bit, would you want to go? It's like, well, let me check my computer because it's not working. If it's still not working, then yeah, I'll go. But if it's working, I'm going to have to go do my radio show. It's like, fine, okay, yeah, I'll wait for you up here. So I go downstairs, and it, the computer does not start up until about 11.30, where I can finally move the mouse around and click on certain things. Because on Wednesday, we were going to do Mock Draft 2.0. But since we didn't have a show, we couldn't do it. And since it wasn't the last thing I looked at, I couldn't get to it. So that was going to be the whole show was just gone, pretty much. And I couldn't write up, type up anything I want to talk about. So it was just done. So at 11.30, 11.40, my computer's like, okay, Logan, now you can use this. From my house to Mocker, which is where the KULT station is, Mocker Union, pretty much kind of in the, the, kind of in the center of campus, not really, but kind of, and I'm like, it's a five-minute walk from my house. So now I've got to sit down, type up a script, and basically sprint, because it takes me about 10, 15 minutes to write up a script. So there I'm at about what 11 55 the show starts at 12 i'm just like yeah we're not i'm not rushing a script i'm just gonna i say a script it's really bullet points and i'm just not gonna rush it i'm gonna i'm gonna do this friday i'm gonna save it all for friday so i tell you i post the tweet go longboarding beautiful day on wednesday be absolutely perfect day on wednesday yesterday a little colder but wednesday perfect this weekend gonna be perfect as well and today's a little chilly but today was a nice one right now it's 38 degrees in cedar falls and sunny there's a zero percent chance of rain and a zero percent chance of snow brilliant get in as the english say feels like 32 degrees and the air quality is good wind coming out of the north at eight miles an hour and this weekend 60 and 65 it's gonna be windy a little bit but hey we are looking at the nice weather. We are only looking at that. We don't care about the wind right now. But yeah, Wednesday was perfect on the weather weather side. Go longboarding, get back to my house, go do my other radio show up in Waterloo at, night, at uh, 1540 KXCL. Again, on press row. You listen to it every day of the work week from 4 to 6. We got a live stream for that as well. So I, I've tweeted it out once before, so go find that tweet or just search 1540kxel.com you can listen to it on the website or you can listen to it if you're in Des Moines or whatever you can get it on your radio and you can hear the show that way as well but so I get there we're having a good show John and I because sports guy is down in St. Louis for Arch Madness you and I in action right now the game started off about 11 minutes ago against a team that played last night but we'll get to that in a little bit no, no we're giving a little sneak preview. We're not going to give it away yet. Cliffhanger. So we do a good show. Do a good show. I'm a little tired. I haven't been getting a lot of sleep recently. Didn't get any sleep last night. So I'm running on fumes today. Was tired all day Thursday. Tired all day today. I'm pretty miserable today. I got a headache. All of that. All of the great stuff that comes with sleep deprivation. <laughs> so Wednesday night, back to Wednesday, the show gets over. And that's where we're filming a video tonight. That night. We got a draft video coming out. We're filming it. Everything is going smoothly. And then about, I don't know, five minutes into filming it, Andrew, one of my roommates, who is one of my co-commentators, draft analysts, 
decides, I don't want to do this anymore, got up and left, because I guess he had something better to do, which he didn't because he sat down in the beanbag in the basement and ate cereal. So I was really, that ticked me off a little bit. And then Tim and Steven were the commissioners. They were doing a great job. It was it, it was fun. But then around pick 15, I started getting frustrated because I had a bunch of different noises going on while I'm trying to come up with reasonings behind these picks. And that frustrated the crap out of me. I was so ticked off. I chucked a ping pong ball towards the laundry room to get them to shut up, which they didn't take that as shut up. They took it as come announce the next pick. But, yeah, I was just so frustrated. I was like, okay, if you're not if you're not going to help me, then go upstairs. I don't need you sitting down here. And if you're going to help me, don't make a bunch of extra unneeded noise so where I can focus on what I'm trying to say. So all in all, video took about an hour. Video was an hour long, which was good. It was good timing. Most of my explanation videos are about an hour long because I over-explain things. Look at what I'm doing right now. We've been going on for about 50, 10 minutes right now talking about my Wednesday, talking about over-explaining things. That's, why I, that's how I can do a two-hour show by myself three times a week. I just over-explain everything. But so we're done filming. Uh, our neighbor Jake who went to high school with us. You're younger than us, but he had he's a video production student. Him... And my other good friend Spencer are video production students. So I was like, I was I asked Spencer if he could help, but he didn't get out of class till about eight thirty. So I was like, uh, never mind. I don't want to bother because I thought the filming would be done, <laughs> would be starting a lot sooner than what it did. And uh, we didn't have an extra memory card, so I had mine. So we went over to Jake's house, which is right next to our house. So we walked over there. Jake gave us a little uh, micro SD card, and. So we put that into the other camera. So we got two cameras going, one on me, originally on me and Andrew, and then before Andrew ditched. Well, actually, he didn't really ditch. He still sat in the basement, so I don't know what the... I was just confused and ticked at the same time. And the other camera was on the commissioners announcing the picks. So the whole video was going to be me as like a pre-draft analyst, like Mike Mayock or Daniel Jeremiah or something like that, or Rich Eisen, David Shaw. So one of those guys. And then they were going to be the Roger Goodell of the league so they were going to come up announce the picks i would make my predictions and it was going to go smooth swimmingly video gets done go upstairs i'm already frustrated my throat hurts from talking for an hour straight and i plugged the sd card into my computer my card the entire shot for the entire hour is blurry and as a video production student i've taken like I've taken, I took three years in high school. I've taken about three or four video production classes in college. I've filmed live for the iCubs. I've filmed live sporting events. I've filmed live rain, random events. I have done a lot of filming in my lifetime. So seeing if he was even slightly blurry frustrated me. So I'm not, up, I can't upload it. I couldn't upload it. I was like, I'm not uploading this video. I'm not editing this. I'm not uploading it anywhere. It's done. And the other video, the other camera that we had, my computer couldn't even read the other card. So we couldn't even access the commissioner stuff. So we got absolutely zero things done in an hour. I was livid. Controlling my emotions, though, my, I could feel my face getting, <laughs> it was eating up. I was so frustrated with everything that went on. 
It was so infuriating. I was t- I was ticked. Could not express how ticked I was. I might just say it a bunch of more bunch more times. But man, had a video planned, had the script ready, thought it was going to be a great idea, and then the entire video is out of focus. Which is I'm don't I'm not too mad about that. I mean, I'm mad that it's not in focus, but my roommates aren't video production students. So I'm sitting down. I'm not walking back and forth to the camera, so I don't know if it's in focus or not. So it's not on them. They didn't know if it was out of focus or not or how to change it in focus, which is why I should have probably still texted Spencer about coming over or not because the video didn't actually get filmed until about 9.50. It's when we started it. I was planning on getting it started about 7, but yeah, just to frustrate you, I posted a a couple pictures on Twitter of... The evolution of me throughout the video. It starts off with me and Andrew, then it's just me, and then my hands are behind my head, and then my hair is all over the place. Like, it was going to be a stupid slash informational video, and it was going to be entertaining. I was excited for it, but it just didn't happen like that. So Wednesday just sucked. I did not like Wednesday. Didn't get much, didn't do the radio show. I feel weird when it comes around noon or 11, mostly last semester, over my past year and a half being here at UNI, it's been 11, but now since I do the show at noon, whenever I'm not doing the show at noon, it just makes me feel weird. Like Wednesday, I was like, I should be doing the show right now, but I, I can't. That frustrated me. Wednesday was just terrible. <laughs> I just did not have a very fun Wednesday whatsoever. But we are here on a Friday. I'm feeling a lot better, more confident than I did on Wednesday, I actually kind of like this mock draft. I don't really... I've hated all the mock drafts I've created since the first one came out. I really liked the first one. Ever since then, I have hated every single one I created. So I'm actually kind of glad the video was blurry, because that gave me a reason not to upload it. Looking back at the mock draft I used for that video, I am very happy we did not end up going with that video with that. Because that mock draft, in my opinion, is was not very good. Okay, I like the one that I made last night better than the one I had ready for Wednesday night, if that makes sense. I I feel more comfortable talking about this one than I did the other night because there's like some picks that didn't make any sense. Like, why would they pass on this player? The only reason they'd pass on him is if he wasn't there in the first place. So that's what really got me motivated to do the show today was to get a better mock draft ready. So we're going to post that later. I know I've been saying I'm going to post it on social media for like the past I don't know, two weeks to a month. I feel like I've just been saying that, oh, yeah, it's coming out soon. It's coming out soon. Just leaving giant cliffhangers all over the place about when's this stupid mock draft that's going to have zero picks right come out. Well, it's going to come out today because the last hour, once 1 o'clock hits, mock draft for the entire last hour. That's all we're doing. I'm going to talk about basketball. I'm going to talk about the XFL, and that's it. Moving on to the hour, hour two, mock draft. Close the show out, talk about some MLB stuff. We'll talk about some UNI football stuff. Got two big commits yesterday, wide receiver and a running back, two positions that are going to be needed this upcoming season. It's just going to be fun. And we're also, a year ago today, Manchester United pulled off one of the greatest upset victories over PSG in the Champions League which pretty much cemented Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's position as permanent Manchester United manager. What an awesome game. That game was awesome. We'll talk, that's, that was a year ago today. 
Man, it's crazy how fast the year's gone. I remember watching that game. Unit of the week for that week was Romelu Lukaku because he scored two goals in that game. He scored two goals this, the game before base tap-ins, but still scored. But yeah, we got all of that to talk about today. So let's dive right into our first talking point. 21 minutes into the show. We're probably about like, what, 16 minutes in the show, I would say. Yeah, 16 minutes. We're finally getting into our first talking point. No, we're not just going off on how terrible of a day Wednesday was. No, 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 no. We got Arch Madness to talk about. You and I, Panthers, facing off against who? The Drake Bulldogs. And right now, you and I is losing to Drake 10-6, to or 11-6, to my bad, five minutes into the first half. Right now, Spencer Haldeman leads you and I in scoring with two points. We're going to do constant updates on this game throughout the show because it's going to go throughout the entire length of the show. Anthony Murphy for Drake leads them in scoring with six points. For you and I, Isaiah Brown, Spencer Haldeman, and Taiwan Pickford all have two points in the game. You and I, one of five from the field, and six of their points have been from the free throw line. Or four of their points, my bad. There are four of five from the free throw line in this game. So yeah, you and I, six, Drake, 11. We will do constant updates on the game throughout the entirety of the show. Because again, it's going to last throughout the show. So with you and I playing Drake today, obviously that means Drake won last night, beating Illinois State 65-66. Now going into the tournaments, most people think, and this is myself included, that the most important thing going into tournaments is your momentum going in. How good of a streak you are on going into the tournament is very important to long-term success when it comes to tournament play. Drake lost their last three games, and they lost their last game in embarrassing fashion, 70-43 to to you and I. They lost to Illinois State in their first loss of that, and then lost to Loyola as well. So they already played Illinois State and lost to them at Illinois State, lost at Loyola, and then got smashed by you and I at the Nap Center, sold out Nap Center. And in their last seven games, they are 2-5. and five. Not a great record, not a great overall record. So I was like, they're not, their momentum is not riding really good in this, but I did not take into account that Drake's going to be very motivated since they've lost their past three games and lost to Illinois State. Illinois State riding really high right now. They just won their first road game of the regular season, beating Evansville 71-60. But their momentum wasn't great either. They won two of their last three. But before that, they lost 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 games out of 14. So I really didn't take that into consideration. Illinois State's momentum was not great going into this at all. But... I thought with the fact they played Drake, beat them, I thought they would play better than that. Now, it was close to the end of the first half. 38-36 to was the halftime score, but Drake played a lot better in the second half. Scored 37 points to Illinois State's 29. Liam Robbins, second-team all-conference member, 18 points in the game. Anthony Murphy, 17, and Jackson with 15 for the Bulldogs. And Sturts off the bench scored 17 points and gobbled up eight rebounds. Just a good overall game. From the Drake Bulldogs, they're playing the UNI Panthers right now. Again, constant updates throughout the length of the show today. We also had another game taking place last night. My Evansville Purple Aces. 
We created the Todd Licklider Evansville train. Hop on the Licklider Express, as one of my friends said. And Evansville, I want, I want it. I have, I wanted Evansville to win this game so freaking bad. It's like the Bruno Mars song. I want to be a millionaire so freaking bad. I want Evansville to win so freaking bad. They didn't. They lost 55-58 to to Valparaiso. Oh, my God. I wanted this game so bad. I wanted I wanted Evansville to go 0-18 in conference play and then just shock the world by winning a conference tournament game. I wanted that more than anything. I wanted that more than anything. K.J. Riley led Evansville in scoring with 17. Frederick King scored 13, and Cunliffe scored 10 for the Purple Aces. And then for Valpo... Clay scored 16, and Javon Freeman Liberty, first team all conference, arguably the second best player in the conference this year, only had eight points, but had six assists and had his trademark four steals, but did have five turnovers in the game. Not a great stat line for Javon Freeman Liberty, again, one of the better players in the conference. But yeah, it was enough to win, it was enough to beat Evansville. And it's sad to say that Evansville, 0-18 in conference play, beat Kentucky, and then lost every single game in the Missouri Valley Conference. How crazy is that? That is absolutely insane to think about. Goodness gracious. I don't know. It's just a a weird thing, Evansville. 0-18 in conference play. 0-19 now if you count the conference tournament. But, yeah, tough one for Evansville. Tough one for Drake as well, beating up on Illinois State after going 0-3 in their last three games. No, neither team was really in good form, but Drake is not the second, they're the third worst team in the conference. They're not the eighth seed as far as how good of a team they actually are. They suck on the road. That's a, If Drake was better on the road, they could have been challenging for the Missouri Valley Conference title. They won 18 games this year, and they're the eighth seed in the conference tournament. Missouri State was the sixth seed and won... 15 games. Southern Illinois won 16 games. Was the five seed. Drake's sitting there with 18 wins of the eight seed. Like, what the heck happened here? Which in tiebreakers, the Missouri Valley Conference goes to the net rankings, and Drake's net ranking is not very good. But yeah, Drake motivated after losing to UNI, played close against UNI the first time these two teams played. But UNI, I'm not really worried right now for UNI, though they're down 15 to 8 right now in the first half. You and I has started slow in a lot of games they have played this year, but their skill and talent usually prevails in the end. Now, with this game going on right now again, does you and I have the at-large bid locked up? If they lose this game, or actually disregard this game, if do they have the at-large bid locked up as we speak right now? I don't think so. I think it's very close. I think them winning the conference tournament outright is very key. Because you've seen throughout the history of the bracket, winning your conference outright versus tying your conference for the uh, – what is it called? Sharing your conference title with somebody is not looked at as fondly as winning your conference outright. So you and I right now has an NIT seed locked up for being the number one seed in the Missouri Valley Conference, but do they have an at-large bid locked up in March Madness. I think, in my personal opinion, I think they need to beat Drake today to to secure that. If they beat Drake today, locked up. No matter what happens the rest of the tournament, 
you and I's got the at-large bid. That's what I'm thinking right now. But I think if they lose, especially with how bad Drake's net ranking is, that might hurt you and I in the long run. But we'll have to wait and see. You and I, 25-5 and five on the season. Have some very quality wins. Beat Colorado this year. Have some tough wins on the road. Beat Loyola this year. Should have beaten West Virginia. Really should have beaten West Virginia. Let that one slip away from their fingers. But yeah, it's going to... It's going to be interesting. It's going to be very, very interesting. I do think you and I does need to win this. Once they win this game, or if they win this game, not, I shouldn't say once they do, knock on wood, because, yeah, they're, it's going to be – it's close. It's very, very close. And right now, at Joe, looking at Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology bracket, he has the UNI Panthers as an 11 seed in the conference. I didn't really look at it all that closely to see if they had any other Missouri Valley Conference teams – in the tournament. I don't think he does. I think it's just you and I has them playing in an Albany 6-11 game. We'll talk about their opponent in a little bit, but I just wanted to look at this to see if they had any other Missouri Valley Conference teams in there. So if they had you and I in as a large bid, but it doesn't look like they do. It just looks like the conference tournament's championship. But yeah, it's going to be it's it, it's going to be tough. You can never hold you can never Place all your coin, all your chips in on the committee to help you out if you lose your first round of the conference tournament. You can never put your faith in the committee. You are going to want to make sure you can control what you can control. Do not leave it in the committee's hands. Control what you can control. You and I winning this game, locked up. They lose. It's, an, it's a different story. I don't really know. I think you and I deserve to be in the tournament no matter what. I think you and I is one of the top teams outside of the top 25 in the nation, I think they're definitely deserving of being in the big boy tournament. Don't want to see them in the NIT. I hate the NIT. They're not in tournament. I don't want to I don't want to watch the NIT. It's not a fun tournament to watch. I remember watching Iowa lose to Baylor in the championship game. I did not enjoy watching that tournament. I liked seeing Iowa win, but it's not it doesn't mean anything. You're not going to hoist a banner. If you hoist a banner for an NIT championship game, your priorities is Weird. You got your priorities flubbed up. Uh, other games in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. Today we got Southern Illinois against Bradley taking place at 2.30 right after the UNI Drake game. Valparaiso against Loyola is at 6, and then Missouri State is playing Indiana State tonight at 8.30 p.m. Central Time. All of those games will be aired on ESPN+. UNI Drake game is currently on ESPN+, Plus, so if you want to watch that, do that. This is live. If you're listening on the podcast, they're not on ESPN Plus anymore. I'm sorry. They're just not going to be on there right now. But you can catch the highlights. Catch the highlights, depending on who you're cheering for, Drake or you and I. But yeah, for the rest of the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, here's what I'm going to say is my predictions going on. Again, this is knocking on wood. I am not saying this, hoping not to jinx you and I. So... If you and I can pull this out, they're currently down by 8, 18 to 10 in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament to Drake. I do think you and I can pull it out. I think you and I is good enough to handle it. I think they'll start slow. They started slow in the first time they met Drake. Came back, played very, very well in the second half. 10-point win against the Bulldogs at the McLeod Center. little unfair result to Drake. I don't think they literally lost by 10. I think it was a lot closer than that. They just couldn't make shots in the end, and you and I kept hitting their free throws when Drake would foul. So that's what I think happened there. But I got you and I winning this game. Bradley versus Southern Illinois. I think Bradley's got this one. 
I think Bradley, tournament-tested team, Southern Illinois, young team. They could shock some people, but I don't think they'll pose a lot of problems to Bradley in this game. Bradley is a five-and-a-half-point favorite over the Salukis of Southern Illinois. Loyola against uh, Valparaiso. This one's a tough game. It's a very, very tough game because Valparaiso, one of the better, one of the teams that could possibly surprise in the Missouri Valley Conference tournament. Javon Freeman Liberty, one of the top players in the Valley defensively and offensively, was first team all defense and first team all conference in general. Very talented player, second in the conference in scoring. I'm going to have Loyola winning this one, though. Loyola's a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I think it will be cl- might be closer than that. Might be. And then for the last game, Indiana State against Missouri State. I'm going to have the Bears winning this game against Indiana State. Missouri started to find a little bit of footing towards the end of the season. I think they'll ride that into the tournament. They are currently a two-point favorite over Indiana State. With Indiana State releasing their garbage logo, that can't be really a motivational factor. We'll talk about some ugly uniforms coming up that just got released today. In a little, a little bit later, but Indiana State, that new logo is atrocious. That's the main reason why you guys are losing this game. No, I just think Missouri State has the better tournament team in this. And ESPN released an article a couple days ago about the, it was four dudes. I can't remember who all the people were, but had their, all of them picked a winner for each conference in America. Two of them picked Loyola. One of them picked you and I, and the other one picked Missouri State. Now I'm not basing my prediction off that. I do think I did think before the tournament started when the the seeds first came out, we would have talked about this on Wednesday. Missouri State I think will beat Indiana State, and then going into the next round, I think you and I and Bradley will be a very tough game rematch of last year's championship game. Two teams that didn't should not have been there at all. No, you and I and Bradley did not have any business being in the championship game, but there they were. It's the magic of tournament play. You and I have them beating Bradley in the Missouri State. I actually have them upsetting Loyola. I so on our radio show at on fifteen forty, they gave they printed out a little bracket, and on the bracket I had Loyola in the championship and crossed it out and put MSU right below them. So I've got Missouri State in the final against you and I with the Panthers coming out victorious. Now if they don't win today, doesn't matter. Forget everything I said about that bracket and we'll analyze it again on Monday because the tournament will be over on Sunday. So come Monday. I could be very, very wrong, or just after the show, I could be very, very wrong. Same you and I winning it. Like if they lose today, that doesn't bode well for my predictions. It doesn't bode well at all for my predictions. So yeah, just look out for that game again. Right now, Drake is beating you and I twenty-two to twelve with eight twenty-seven left in the first half. Now the women's team, they are playing the Drake Bulldogs as well. They're playing them tonight at the McLeod Center. Game will be at, was it, 6.30 tonight on ESPN Plus if you can't make it to the game. If you make it to the game, it is senior night. It is a gold out. So rock your yellow slash gold UNI Panthers gear for the game. Should be a very fun one. Drake right now on the season is 22-7, 14-3 in conference play. But most notably to that record is they're 7-5 on the road this season. UNI 10-2 at home. This year, upset Bradley, who's currently third place in Missouri Valley Conference standings. Drake currently sits at second in the conference standings right now. And for, geez, I got a lot of tabs open. I'm trying to get to my screenshot here. Come on. Scroll over. There we go. For the Missouri Valley Conference standings from the women's side, it goes Missouri State sitting at number one with 15-2 record. Drake a game back at 14-3. Bradley... 12-5 right now in the Missouri Valley Conference standings. Illinois State at 10-7. and 
You and I currently sits at fifth in the conference, standing at nine and eight. Valpo eight and nine, Southern Illinois eight and nine, Loyola six and eleven, Indiana State three and fourteen, and Evansville zero oh and seventeen in conference play. So both the men's and women's teams for Evansville over on the season in conference play. Currently on an eighteen game losing streak and are three and twenty five overall. But zero and seventeen for the women, zero and eighteen for the men's team. See if Evansville can get that first dub of conference play and end the 18-game losing streak for the women's team and get the first conference win of the season for the Purple Aces men's and women's team, which is just sad to look at. That was the main reason I wanted Evansville to beat Valpo. I just wanted them to get a win. And we've got a team Todd Licklatter hop on the bandwagon. We'll go till next year, see what they do going into next season. But you and I, 9-8 and eight right now. Drake is locked up the two-seed, it looks like, for the Missouri Valpo. Well, not looks like it pretty much is unless Missouri State loses as well, but I don't know if the tiebreakers between that is for the women's side. But Drake, 14-3, looks like they have the two seed locked up. You and I, as of right now, will have the five seed in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, which takes place next Thursday in Moline, Illinois. I think I was calling it Molina, like, the entire time I've been talking about it, but it's Moline, Illinois. I don't I don't know why I just envisioned an A right there, but it's Moline, Moline, Illinois. But you and I, with the win, would be 10-8, and eight. Illinois State 10-7 and seven right now. You and I have lost both games to Illinois State this season, so they would probably have the upper hand depending on what they do for that because tiebreakers, actually, no, that would be it. You and I would still be the five seed if the Illinois State lost because <laughs> they lost both times. The net rankings for the men's side is only dependent on if you tie in the regular season, so I I don't know what I'm talking about there. Valparaiso 8-9, Southern Illinois 8-9. We'll have to wait and see where you and I will get the standings. We'll talk about that more on Monday once we know the Missouri Valley Conference stands up a big game tonight against Drake at the McLeod Center. Senior night, gold out. Game tips off at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. You catch that on ESPN+. Plus. If you do not go to the game, with that being said, I'm going to take a quick break right now here on the Logan Blackman Show, but we will come back. we got some Iowa and Iowa State scores to touch on since we did not get to those on Wednesday. Both teams suffered unfortunate losses on senior night on Tuesday. So we'll take a quick break, come back, and talk about those right after this.
Walking out of town Looking for a better place Something's on my mind Always in my head space But I know someday This is Radio Without Rules. Well, sort of. 94.5 KULT. Everything you and I. Welcome back, everybody, to the Logan Blackman Show. If you know this song, it just got released today. It's Lil Uzi Vert's new album, Eternal A Take. Silly Watch is this new song that I was just playing right there for the comebacker. It's a pretty decent album. I, I enjoy it. I listened to it when I was typing up little bullet points before today's show. It's pretty solid. I dig it. You know, as of right now, we give it a solid 7 out of 10. Yeah, I enjoy it through the amount I've listened to. I haven't listened to all of it yet. There's about 18 songs on the album. I've gotten through about, I think, nine and a half. Because I think I saw a video on Twitter or YouTube or something that I wanted to watch, so I paused the song right when I was going through it. But it's I like it so far. Kind of dropped it out of nowhere. He announced it like, I think it was, I saw it on Twitter. It was like 599 days ago or something. He announced it. And now it's officially here. So go listen to that on Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you want to listen to it. iTunes, Apple Music, wherever. Just go listen to it. It's, gonna, I'm, it's a pretty good album so far. I would recommend it so far that I've listened to. And with that being said, let's go into what Iowa and Iowa State did recently. So right now, quick update on the Drake UNI game. Drake is up 38-22 to over the UNI Panthers. Struggling so far. 38-22. Drake over the Panthers. Uh, a little nervous right now. I am sitting here in the KULT studio with UNI losing to the Drake Bulldogs. Now, Iowa and Iowa State both suffered losses Tuesday night. Iowa losing to Purdue at home. Iowa State losing at home to West Virginia. Iowa losing 77-68 to the Purdue Boilermakers. Second time they've lost to Purdue this season. First time an embarrassing loss 
at Purdue. Just a terrible loss at Purdue. The Iowa Hawkeyes just got destroyed. That Purdue made 19 threes or something in the game. Just was never in doubt. Purdue was just unplayable that night, and the Hawks just couldn't do anything. They couldn't make anything. Purdue couldn't miss. That's not a good recipe for winning. And in this game for Iowa, Luka Garza, 26 points, 12 rebounds, 4 steals, 4 blocks in the game. No one else from the Hawks really did anything. C.J. Frederick, 8 points in the game. Joe Wieskamp, 10 points. Connor McCaffrey, 6 points. Toussaint, 4 points. Yeah, just not a great game all around from the Stars. If you look at everyone other than Garza in the starting lineup, Frederick went 2 of 7. Wieskamp, 3 for 7. McCaffrey, 2 of 8. And those 2 of 8 were all from 3. We talked about this on On Press Row the other day, on Wednesday after the game. Fine with taking McCaff- with McCaffrey shooting threes, but take some other shots. You went 2 from 8 from 3. I know the old adage is shooters got to shoot and you'll find your rhythm if you keep shooting. You can't go two from eight from three and not shoot any other shot. Any other shot would have been fine. Two of eight from the field, two of eight from three. Not a great not a great thing. Connor McCaffrey played a low number of minutes, only 28 in this game, which is a low for him. You're usually pushing around the 35-minute mark for the Hawkeyes this season. Joe Toussaint, just a average, just a typical Joe Toussaint performance. 15 minutes, didn't do anything in the game. Just a typical Joe Toussaint performance. He's just not. I don't know if they're just trying not to ruin his confidence. I don't know. They're patiently waiting for Bohannon to come back into this starting lineup because Joe Toussaint is not a starting point guard as of right now. Played admirably, but he's not a starting point guard. He's just not. 15 minutes, three turnovers, doesn't shoot the ball well. Yeah. It's not a great game for him. Kreiner off the, uh, Kreiner off the bench scored nine points in the game. Bakari Evelyn with four points off the bench for the Hawkeyes. 77-68 was the final. Hawks were getting blown out in the first half. 25-42 to was the halftime score. Scored 43 points in the second half, but Purdue got 35 in the second half, so it just wasn't a great thing for the Hawks. And the Hawkeyes, they just couldn't get on the defensive glass. Purdue had at almost as many offensive rebounds. As Iowa had defensive rebounds. Purdue had 21 offensive rebounds. Iowa had 23 defensive rebounds. That's not a good recipe for winning. It's just not. It's just not. Each team struggled turning a ball over. Each team had 15 turnovers in the game. Not great at all. Just a not a good game for the Iowa Hawkeyes in this one. Dropped a 20 and 10 play. Illinois this Sunday. Each team is 20 and 10 on the season. So yeah, it is a trying times for Hawkeyes, especially with the logjam that the Hawkeyes face for like fourth in the Big Ten right now or something. There's an insane logjam in the Big Ten with teams with similar records. You look at the Big Ten standings right now. Maryland, Wisconsin, Michigan State all sit atop of the Big Ten at 13-6. and six. Then you move down. You got Illinois at 12-7. and seven, And then you got Penn State at 11-8, Ohio State 11-8. Iowa 11 and 8. Then below them you got Michigan at 10 and 9, Rutgers at 10 and 9. So you just got this massive log jam from 1 to 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 nine places down. 1 through 9 are going to get decided this weekend. We will find out where the Hawkeyes are this weekend. Illinois is not going to be happy with the way things went down at Carver the last time these two teams met. It's just a weird season for the Big Ten. There is such a massive logjam. And then you got Northwestern and Nebraska sitting in the basement at 12, 2 and 17. It's just a, 
everybody else is looking like an average team. Those two teams are just garbage. But just excommunicate them from the Big Ten. Get them out. But, yeah, the I don't know where the Hawkeyes could be. They could be as low as a nine seed in the Big Ten tournament. How crazy is that to think about? Iowa was a three seed when they beat Penn State, and then now, or before they played Michigan State, and now they're talking about possibly being a nine seed. Ooh. I don't know what the different tie-breaking rules are in the Big Ten, but, geez, crazy right now. In Illinois, if they go to 13-7 and seven and some things happen above them, they could be pushing for a Big Ten title too. So there's just a lot of crazy things that could go on in the Big Ten right now. Big Ten tournament play starts next Wednesday. So look out for that. We'll preview that more come Monday and Wednesday. And for Iowa State, they are locked in. Unlike Iowa, who has either got a shot to be at a top four seed or a nine seed, Iowa State's locked into the nine seed in the Big 12. They're locked in it. Eight-nine matchup. It's going to be Iowa State versus Oklahoma State, it looks like. Unless TCU loses this week and Oklahoma State wins, TCU this weekend is playing Oklahoma. Very winnable game for TCU. Lost to them earlier this year at Oklahoma, but you never know what happens at home. TCU didn't beat Baylor at that time. And Oklahoma State is playing Texas. So as of right now, yes, Iowa State is locked in, essentially locked into the nine the nine seed in the tournament. But they it depends on they could play TCU or Oklahoma State. Looks more likely to be Oklahoma State. But you never know. Iowa State this weekend's playing Kansas State tomorrow at three. 2-15 and 15 in conference player Kansas State. Iowa State 5-12. and 12-18 overall in conference play. Zero wins on the road. Regular uh, pre-conference play and in-conference play. Zero road wins all season. Lost their last two games. Lost to West Virginia 77-71 at home. Played well for it being your senior night against a recently ranked top 25 team. Thought this was a very winnable game for Iowa State. Thought it was more winnable than the Oklahoma State game. Mentioned that on last Friday, how this game looked more winnable to Iowa State than Oklahoma State. And in this game, Rasir Bolden, 21 points. Prentice Nixon, 19 points. Solomon Young, 11.7 rebounds. Tyree Jackson, Tyrese Jackson, 9 points in the game. But it just wasn't enough. West Virginia takes the win in this game, 77-71. to Out-rebounding the Cyclones, 38-30. to Good margin there. John Walters, we interviewed him on Tuesday before the game. On on press row, he said if they can keep it within 10 in rebounds, it could be a very close game. And Iowa State has a shot. It was a very close game, ending up a six-point loss for the Cyclones again, ending the regular season against Kansas State in their next game. Big 12 tournament also starts next Wednesday, much like the Big 10 tournament. And the team that we talked about this a little bit ago with you and I and Joe Lenardi's latest bracket, the team that Joe Lenardi has the Panthers playing is the Iowa Hawkeyes. 6-11 matchup in Albany in the south bracket because you know Albany is pretty south. So you look at the south bracket, this is just like the top south southern team, south, the top southern cities in America. This is what I think about when I think of the south. Omaha, yeah, that's pretty south. Uh, Tampa, yeah, that's, that's in the southeast corner of the United States. That's actually pretty south, yeah. Albany, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty south. And then Spokane. Just three, four very southern cities that I just think about. When I think of South, Spokane is the first one that pops in my head. I don't know where they get these. It's like the Senior Bowl. How is Justin Herbert playing for the South? 
He plays in Oregon. How is he playing for the South? Who decides which teams are South and which one's North? How is Spokane South? And how is Tampa in the Midwest region? I can accept Albany in the Midwest region. I am not accepting Tampa. When you look at the East, how is Sacramento in the East? How does that, how is that a thing? How is that allowed to be a thing? I do not understand. Someone please explain this to me because I don't understand it. You look at the West side, Cleveland. They're in the Eastern time zone. How are they West? Not even the Western part of Ohio. They're Eastern Ohio. So they call Northeast Ohio. Why? I don't get it. I don't get it. I throw my hands in the air. I'm I'm at a loss. Senior Bowl? Tournament? Why don't you just all put them, if they're in the East, why is Sacramento there? I get San Diego State's the one seed there. Why do you have, you don't have to put them there. Put them in the East. It is not appealing to look at when I read East and New York in brackets and not one game is in New York. That makes no sense to me. Look at the South in Houston. I get that's where the Sweet 16 matchups or Elite 8 matchups are going to be in New York, but at least put one game in New York. Like, put Albany in the eastern part. Get rid of Sacramento and put Albany in there. Then we're talking. I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. When I think of West, I don't think of Cleveland. I don't think of St. Louis. When I think of East, I certainly do not think of Sacramento. When I think of South, Albany and Spokane are not the first two that pop my head. Midwest, Tampa. What is so frustrating to look at? Maybe I'm just ignorant and don't understand why they do this. Maybe it's because, oh, I get why they do it because they got San Diego State in the East. All the one seeds are either from the Midwest or the Western part of the United States. So then just force them to play in the East Coast. Force them to play in Albany. You're not going to have one single game in the New York Eastern side of the bracket in the first rounds actually played in New York. We're going to play one in California instead. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. I've got it all figured out now. I've got I've got it all figured out now. It's awesome. It's so stupid. I hate it so much. Bothers me. Bothers me to my core looking at that. I'm going to leave the page. I can't look at it anymore. i got to leave the page. Jeez. You know, when I think of Midwest, first thing that pops in my head is Tampa. When I think South, Spokane. First one. That pops in my head. Usually, usually speaking, I think of those the Spokane when I think of South. Just to me. Just to me. So, yeah. Crazy stuff. And speaking on the topic of basketball, Girls State High School Tournament is taking place at Wells Fargo Arena. Championship days are tonight and tomorrow. Here are the matchups so far. For you, we'll start off in 1A, who is yet to be decided. Both games are taking place later today. One of them is taking place in a half hour. Uh, which is Newell Fonda, the one seed, taking on five seed St. Ansgar at 130. Number two seed Marquette Catholic is taking on Bishop Garrigan at 315. Those two teams, so it'll either be Noel Fonda, Noel Fonda or St. Ansgar versus Marquette Catholic or Bishop Garrigan. Both those games taking place today, and the championship game will be tomorrow at 7 at the Well in Des Moines. Two-way is between Osage and... Uh, It'll be four seed Osage upsetting the number one seed in the tournament versus either West Hancock, the two seed, or North Lynn, 
which Northland versus West Hancock is happening now. I'm going to actually check what is going on in that bracket. So go to two-way, and it is Northland beating West Hancock 47-41. to So it'll be Osage who beat one seed Cascade 46-32 versus Northland who just beat West Hancock 47 47- to 41 so those two teams will meet up in the state two-way channel i guess it's not over yet it's almost done four minutes left in the fourth quarter we'll keep you posted on that more but right now as i said west northland beating west hancock 47 to 41 championship game is tomorrow at five moving up to 3a north polk will take on bishop healan tonight at eight five seed versus the three seed there 4a north scott the one seed one of three one seeds to make the championship game in this tournament. We'll take on six seed Lewis Central tomorrow at three. And then in 5A, uh, the Waukee Warriors taking on three seed Johnston. My alma mater, my high school, Johnston, going for a state championship in basketball. I believe they lost in either the semis or the final last year. So this would be a nice revenge game, especially against Waukee. Love beating Waukee. If you're a Johnston student, that game is tonight at six. So if you're in the area, if you're from Johnston, make sure to go to the game and support the Dragons. Boys State Tournament starts next week. Johnston lost to Ankeny Centennial in sub-state. So the boys team is not in the tournament, but the girls team can take home the state championship tonight if they beat the Waukee Warriors again tonight at six. So make sure you go support all of those games which are taking place tomorrow and tonight at the well in Des Moines Wells Fargo Arena. We're going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. Come back. We've got XFL Week 5 to talk about a little bit, and then we will dive right in to Mock Draft 2.0 and talk about where the quarterbacks will be to where we decided what to do with this Mock Draft and where quarterbacks will be in free agency, which will affect what quarterbacks go where. Free agency starts March 18th. So we'll make our predictions, our final predictions there, so we could talk about the Mock Draft more clearly. So that being said, take this quick break. We'll be right back right after this. Can keep my hands on myself.
secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes I do the same things over and over until one day I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. If variety is the spice of life, your ears must be burning. Welcome to KULTFM, everything you and I. Welcome back, everybody, to the Logan Blackman Show. We are now in hour two of this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. This is your mid-show reminder. Usually we do it after the first half hour, but honestly, I forgot. So go follow the Logan Blackman Show media social media accounts. Go follow the Twitter at the underscore LB underscore show. Go follow my personal Twitter, Logan underscore Blackman. Go follow the Instagram account, Logan Blackman Show on Instagram. Go like the Facebook page, search the Logan Blackman Show, and go follow the Spotify account, the Logan Blackman Show on Spotify. You can catch all of the latest Logan Blackman shows wherever you are, whenever you want to listen to it. Go and listen to it. Right now in the girls' state tournament, Northland is beating West Hancock 50-41. This is to go to the state two-way championship game to take on Osage, I believe. Yes, four-seed Osage in the two-way state championship game. And right now in the UNI-Drake game, Drake is beating UNI 43-33. It is now halftime in the Missouri Valley Conference tournament. Drake beat Illinois State last night. Valparaiso played Loyola early later today. They beat Evansville last night. There, Drake motivated after losing to UNI in the first meeting. These two, the last meeting these guys had to end the regular season, an embarrassing loss for Drake on their home court. Drake has now equaled the same number of points they scored in that last game against UNI. Forty-three to thirty-three is the the score right now. The last game of the regular season, it was seventy to forty-three in favor of UNI. And I don't see UNI going on a forty to forty to zero run. For the entire second half. So Drake has already outperformed their last game, playing a lot better in this game. Anthony Murphy is leading the Bulldogs in scoring with 11 points on the game. Liam Robbins, nine points in the game, four rebounds and two blocks for him. Uh, Roman Penn, the point guard, six assists for him with seven points in the game as well. And Noah Thomas, starting point guard last year for Drake, seven points in this game off the bench. For UNI, A.J. Green leads the Panthers in scoring with 10 points in the game. He also has two assists in the game. Spencer Haldeman, seven points in the game, 4-4 from the free throw line. Isaiah Brown has eight points. First team all-conference member Austin Fife, zero points and only two rebounds 
in this game for the UNI Panthers. Scored 17 and had 18 rebounds with five assists the last time these two played each other. So it's a little bit of a down game for Fife. Burhau also has zero points. And off the bench, Noah Carter has two, and Taiwan Pickford's leading them in scoring with six points off the bench. Also has two rebounds. Again, we will keep you updated on the UNI versus Drake game throughout the show. Again, halftime 43-33 to right now from St. Louis. And speaking of St. Louis, the St. Louis Battlehawks have a game this weekend in the XFL taking on my D.C. Defenders game will be on Sunday at 2 on FS1. It was be back in D.C. And good Lord, does, need, does D.C. need to go back home? <laughs> they absolutely got pounded on the road these past two games. Lost 39-9 their first road game in week three and 25-0 to to Tampa last week. Now they're playing the second best team in the league in St. Louis. Thankfully, for D.C., it's not in the Edwards-Jones Dome or whatever the dome is called now because that would be a guaranteed loss. They already played two teams that had zero wins on the season, got blown out by them. What would they do against the team that gets the most crowd, the biggest crowds in the XFL? Would struggle heavily in this game. So thankfully for D.C., it's at home at Audi Field. Also on Sunday, the Tampa Bay Vipers taking on the L.A. Wildcats, the two teams that beat the D.C. defenders last two weeks, meet up in L.A. That game is at 8 on Sunday on ESPN. The St. Louis Battlehawks versus D.C. Defenders game is on FS1 at 2. The first game of this weekend is against Seattle and Houston. Houston, the only undefeated team in the league. Seattle has two wins on the season, playing St. Louis close in their last game. I guess Seattle only has one win. They're 1-3 on the season. Houston, 4-0. With the rain, the def- the current front runner for the MVP, P.J. Walker, I fully expect Houston to walk away with the victory. There's that one on ABC tomorrow. And then on Fox at 4 tomorrow is the New York Guardians versus the Dallas Renegades. Dallas lost last week. are currently 2-2 two and two on the regular season. And right now, Dallas has won both of their games on the road. New York won their second game of the season at home, beating L.A. Both their losses have been on the road in embarrassing fashion for the New York Guardians. So we'll see what prevails this week. My predictions for this week, we've got Houston, Dallas, St. Louis, and Tampa pulling out wins this week. And that, one, that Tampa versus L.A. game is going to be a tough one. It's going to be a very, very tough game. Actually, you know what? I'm going to switch it. L.A. beats Tampa in a close one. I'm going to go after the quarterbacks here. Josh Johnson over Cornelius in this game. Taylor Cornelius for Tampa. So L.A. wins. I'm going with three home wins and one away win with St. Louis beating D.C. this weekend. Fun week, week five of XFL action. Now, with that being said, let's just go straight back in to NFL Mock Draft 2.0. Before we do that, we've got to do our free agent QB predictions. Now, free agency opens up on March 18th at 3 p.m. Central Time for Eastern Time. So we're only making speculations here. Which, which we all, it's the only way we can do. So right now, with free agent quarterbacks right now, we've got a, most of them, if not all of them. I just did this off memory. I can't remember if there's any more out there. But here's my predictions for where they're going to go in alphabetical order by last name. So starting off with Tom Brady, he just goes back to the Patriots. I cannot picture him going anywhere else. Right now, the Patriots and the Titans are the betting favorites. When this first started, Tennessee was the one that I thought of first. But... I can't really see it happening. Ryan Tannehill played very well. I can't see them ditching Ryan Tannehill that early. Yes, Brady and Vrabel have a very good relationship playing in New England with each other, but I think Brady just sticks it out in New England for another season. 
maybe a couple more, depending on where your tires. I don't believe the the San Francisco 49ers rumors. I think that's only based this off because he's from there, grew up a Niners fan. If the Niners did that, the Niners screwed up on quarterbacks so many times. You can look at those two times as an example with Brady, 49ers fan, pass on him, draft Giovanni Carmazzi in the third round. Do you guys know who Giovanni Carmazzi is? No. No, you don't. He got beat out by Jeff Garcia, or not even beat out. He just sucked. NFL Network or NFL Films finally posted the Brady Six documentary, which has been on YouTube for about like three years now, maybe four. It's been on YouTube forever. I don't know why they just decided to post it now. It's a great documentary. I would fully recommend watching it. It makes you appreciate Tom Brady. I know everybody usually hates Tom Brady, but I respect Tom Brady for the grind that he's put out throughout his career. So, yeah, the Niners with that one, and then they drafted Alex Smith over Aaron Rodgers. And, yes, Alex Smith has had a very good career. He's not a first ballot Hall of Famer like A-Rod is over in Green Bay. Both those guys, A-Rod and Tom Brady, grew up 49ers fans. They both wanted to play for 49ers. Heck, Aaron Rodgers even went to school at Cal. He's from that area. He's from the area of San Francisco. 49ers passed on him, drafted Alex Smith. So maybe this is the 49ers just wanting to get a next best, get a guy in here like we passed on him. But it doesn't make sense to move on from Jimmy G now. This is so stupid. I don't get that at all. Why would they move on from Jim? I don't know. Teddy Bridgewater, I have him going to the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers are a very, very, very talented team. Just struggled with injuries last year, and they just need a guy in there to get them over the edge. I think the Chargers will look at a veteran that can get them over the edge then instead of putting their faith in a rookie. At least that's my gut feeling right now. Tyrod Taylor stays there as the backup. Teddy Bridgewater comes in to start. Two experienced NFL quarterbacks. Teddy Bridgewater is going to get paid this offseason, and the Chargers have been linked to him by the Chargers. The thing is, I could totally see them going after a quarterback and keeping Tyra as the starter until eventually Herbert or Love or Tua comes in to replace them. But I think the Chargers would have other needs on the roster, most notably off to line. They traded away Russell Kung, got Trey Turner. Great trade for the Chargers. Great trade for the Chargers. Michael Schofield's been a liability at guard ever since he's been starting. So getting Trey Turner in there, a five-time Pro Bowl, or last five years he made the Pro Bowl, just makes so much sense. Great trade. Russell Kung's been hurt 90% of his time in L.A. So, yeah, great trade. Great when he first got there, but he's been hurt ever since he got there. So now we'll see what he can do in Carolina. The Chargers getting an offensive lineman early would be beneficial. Just to keep improving the offensive line, bring in Teddy. You got talented receivers. Bring back Hunter Henry. You looking golden, Chargers. Just stay healthy. Case Keenum goes back to the Vikings just to serve as a backup. Fan favorite in Minnesota. Uh, yeah, just go back to Minnesota. You were loved there. Work out a good backup contract there. Backup Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I think it'll work out good for you. Uh, Marcus Mariota goes to Las Vegas with the Raiders. Uh, John Gruden really likes Marcus Mariota. Have him sit behind Derek Carr. Raiders don't have good backups. They have Nathan Peterman and Mike Glennon. Two quarterbacks that are not better than Marcus Mariota. Mariota could push Derek Carr a little bit. Mariota... Has there's been this thing on Mariota that he hasn't developed in the five years he's been here, he's still developing, which I've made jokes about that for years now. It's just funny to think about now, but I think Mariota and the Raiders would be a good match there. Dak Prescott, franchise tag Dallas. I just think that's a match that's gonna I think it's just gonna happen. They're gonna get him back. 
build the defense through free agency and the draft. But yeah, Dak just goes back to Dallas in this scenario. Phillip Rivers goes to the Colts. I think it's a, a great fit for him and at this point in his career. Draft a young quarterback to sit behind him, and Phillip rides out the rest of his career behind a good offensive line, talented wide receivers, or wide receiver, talented tight end, good running game. Just a perfect fit for Phillip Rivers at this point in his career. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, Ryan Tannehill. It just yeah, Ryan Tannehill just goes back to Tennessee. There's not a lot of explaining to do there. Got them to the AFC Championship game. Yes, Derrick Henry was the main reason for that, but they would have not have done that with Marcus Mariota as the starting quarterback. He had a re, re, he rejuvenated what was left of an otherwise dying career, and this is why Miami took so long to get rid of him because he has this talent in there. That's why they drafted him eighth overall. He has the talent, just can't stay healthy, but this year he showed his toughness. He showed his ability to play, and I think he'll just stay in Tennessee. And the last one on this list, Jameis Winston just stays with the Buccaneers. Franchise tag, look for the quarterback next year. But right now, I think Jameis' best option, and the Buccaneers' best option, is just to keep Jameis. He played on a torn meniscus, I think it was, this past year, and he just got LASIK eye surgery. So we might be getting the best Jameis next year. Three interceptions last year, but I think he'll be better now, I don't agree with his quote that says, look at my stats, I'm straight up balling. Because he ain't balling if you're throwing 30 interceptions. Yes, you led the league in passing yards, but you threw 30 interceptions. So that's not a great look. But I think Jameis can improve this offseason. I think he can be a very good quarterback. So just franchise tag him. Him and Dak are probably going to be franchise tagged. That's my gut feeling on all of this. And Jameis just stays with the Tampa Bay Bucks. So that being said, that re- the reason I put that before the draft is because it helps me better explain my draft picks by putting quarterbacks where they're going to be helps me decide if a team is going to draft a quarterback because all of those teams I mentioned, maybe not the Cowboys and Titans, are going to draft are likely options to draft a quarterback. I didn't mention the Panthers there. The Panthers are obviously another great option there to draft a quarterback. So if you listen to what their owner said, talk to me when Cam's healthy. Yes, they're going with Cam as the starter for this year, but do they go with that for the future? I don't know. I don't know. The owner did not seem confident with Cam when they talked about it a few weeks ago. So that being said, let's dive right in to mock draft 2.0. I don't know why I have any I don't have any music up. Here, hold on. <laughs> we got we got to get music. We got we got to get some music pumped up in here. It's a must. Please don't have an ad. We have an ad. So hold on. We're almost there. We got a little Hershey's ad before this video starts, but here we go. Yes. Mock draft 2.0 is here. Yes. It's been a long time coming. It has been a very, very, very long time coming. I've said this for like the past month, it feels like, that, oh, wait till this week comes because then Mock Draft 2.0 will be released at this point. And it hasn't been. I've been very bad at doing this. It's been, I've been very poor at liking this Mock Draft, but I like this one. I genuinely like this Mock Draft, and as we speak right now, Northland beat West Hancock 61 to 46. The clock's not showing up on the screen anymore, so I'm just assuming they won. But as of right now, it looks 61 to 46 in favor of West Northland. So it looks like Osage versus Northland in the Class 2A Girls State Championship game. So now we got all of our championship games set. 
And you and I, starting the second half, has scored two Beckets to get it 43-37. to You and I start in the second half. Pretty strong. 18-25 left in the game for the UNI Panthers. A lot riding on this game potentially. Maybe this is where if they lose this game, maybe they don't have the at-large bid. We will have to wait and see on that. But we're not here to talk about that. Again, we'll keep you updated on that as we go. But we are here to talk about Mock Draft 2.0. It's my favorite time of the year, or one of my favorite times of the year, to do the NFL Mock Drafts. I love looking at Mock Drafts. I follow them crazily. Crazily, Daniel Jeremiah, Mike Mayock were my dudes, but now Mayock's with the Raiders, so screw Mike Mayock now. I'm kidding, Mike. I, lo- I still love you. But he was like the dude. I don't care for ESPN's draft coverage. I mean, you got Todd McShay and uh, Mel Kuyper, but NFL Network does it better than anybody. I mean, we're just being honest here. Got Rich Eisen, Daniel Jeremiah, uh, Den- David Shaw from Stanford comes in. It just does it better. They just do it so much better. Well, the first pick in the 2020 NFL draft, according to me, Mark Draft 2.0, is Joe Burrow. Cincinnati Bengals just makes sense. Joe Burrow set pretty much every record last season while at LSU, the greatest season a college quarterback has ever had. Now, that being said, that's not saying he's the greatest college quarterback ever, but I'm saying he had the greatest season I've ever watched as a college quarterback. Broke the record for single touch for touchdown passes in a season, won the Heisman, won the Maxwell Award, won everything. National championship, perfect season, first number one overall seed to win the college football playoff. At least did everything. They beat so many times. If anybody else had their schedule, they had like a point-something percent chance to go undefeated. And LSU did that. LSU is that good. And the main reason they were that good is because of Joe Burrow's development from year two or year three to year four or year four to year five, whatever, if he was a fifth-year – I think he was a fifth-year senior. But the dude is motivated. The dude does not care what you think about him. He's just going to go out there and play. And according to sources – the Bengals fell in love with him when they did the interview. So I think it's a lock that Joe Burrow is wearing the orange and black of Cincinnati next year. But we'll have to see if the Dolphins or the Lions or Panthers try to trade up to get Joe Burrow. We'll have to see. But right now, Joe Burrow, number one. And the Redskins at number two take Chase Young. Yes, there are rumors that they are taking to a tag of Viola. This, I, in my opinion, is just a smokescreen because they are doing what the Cleveland Browns did a few years ago when they said they were going to draft Josh Allen. Trying to get the Bills, because they knew the Bills loved Josh Allen, trying to get the Bills to trade up with the Browns to get one of their picks so they would just get more picks out of the situation. That's what the Redskins, I think, are trying to do here. Which would be a very logical thing, which is very logical for the Redskins, because they have needs all over the field on defense and offense. They have no offensive lineman. Trent Williams, is they're letting him look for trade options. So offensive line, especially in the first round, there's a lot of good offensive linemen. And the Redskins, if my memory serves me right, don't have any second-round picks. So they could fill up some needs there as well. The Dolphins, who are the team most linked to Tua, have three first-round picks too. But I don't think the Dolphins buy it, and the Redskins take Chase Young number two overall. Number three, we have our first trade. Same as last mock draft, I just have the Miami Dolphins trading up with the Lions to take Tua Tagovailoa with the third overall pick. Hip injury, the diagnosis is overwhelmingly positive in regards to his hip. Um, durability might be a factor throughout his career in the NFL, but he's got all the talent in the world. 
compared to Drew Brees with his accuracy, and he's a left-handed quarterback that actually makes it look smooth. Not a lot of people do that as left-handed quarterbacks. They all look all kind of wonky when they do things. Tua makes everything smooth. Record-setting quarterback at Alabama for most touchdowns in a career. He's just a talented dude. And it's been taught it's been like the worst kept secret over the past like two seasons that the Dolphins want to attack a Viola Josh Rosen out the door Ryan Fitzpatrick stays there doesn't need to rush into the starting job right away Ryan Fitzpatrick is good enough to play x amount of games before they're ready to commit to Tua as the guy Chan Gailey comes in as a good relationship with Ryan Fitzpatrick so ease Tua into it but I think Tua Tagovailoa going number three overall the Lions or to the Dolphins is very smart. And the Lions, I think the same thing that the Redskins are doing. I don't think they're going to draft Tua. They're just wanting the Dolphins to trade because the teams in front of the Dolphins know how much they have coveted Tua for the past year or so. It's been terribly kept secret. So the teams in front of them know that. So they're like, oh, we're talking to Tua. We're going to draft Tua with this pick. Scare the Dolphins into a, for, uh, a, a trade to get them to trade up to with them to draft Tua. But I think they'll go up to number three. I read a report that says they are preparing to trade up to number three and are going to take Tua third over the number four pick. Uh, the New York Giants, I have them taking Isaiah Simmons, defensive player from Clemson. Now, they have said over the years that Dave Gettleman looks for gold jacket type players. Isaiah Simmons is that. He can do everything on the field. He got interviewed at the Combine. They asked him, what position are you best at? He just said defense. He played literally every defensive position, like corner, safety, linebacker, D-line, everywhere. He's been compared. Now, I've never heard this comparison before. He's been compared to Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, and Derwin James. That's an edge rusher, corner, and a safety. Who gets compared to three different positions? I cannot really see a world where he doesn't get drafted within the top seven picks, maybe even the top five picks. And Gettleman has expressed that he has admiration for Isaiah Simmons, saying defense wins championship games. They're looking for a stud linebacker, do-everything type linebacker. The free agent market right now is not great for linebackers. They're going to probably overpay if they do want one of those linebackers. So Isaiah Simmons, number four pick. You're looking for gold jacket guys. There aren't much more obvious than Isaiah Simmons. Duke can do everything on the football field. Now, I have also read reports they love Tristan Wirfs. This was before the Combine, too. I read these before the Combine even started. So there's been that rumor going around for a while. So they might take Tristan Wirfs here. I think Wirfs is the best offensive lineman in this draft class. I thought that before the Combine. Now it he just showed out at the Combine. Now, not all of those things he did are not what make a great lineman 40 yard dash time vertical are not like key lineman traits very impressive numbers for worse though which makes teams like him that much more remember what i said last wednesday the prospects that need to have a big combine for the linemen were makai beckton and tristan Wirfs. those two showed out at the combine tristan Wirfs showed his athletic ability to play tackle that was the big reason why we said he needs to have a big day because a lot of people are saying he doesn't have the athletic ability to play tackle I think he does. He gave up two sacks in his college career. But I think for right now, at number four, the Giants just take the best player available, and that is Isaiah Simmons. Plays defense. He's just a defensive player. Gold jacket guy, that is what you look for in a football player. He's just a football player. That's the key thing we have to say. He's just a football player. 
He's not a linebacker. He's not a safety. He's not a corner. He's not an edge rusher. He is a football player. He's a big-time player. Dude is awesome. I think he'd be a very wise pick to take for New York Giants at number four. Number five, we have another trade, and it's not a team you're thinking of. It is the Carolina Panthers trading up from number seven to number five, trading with the Lions. Two picks, two times the Lions have traded. First with the Dolphins, now with the Panthers. Just coupling up more and more draft picks. Hopefully to sure up their defense, because their defense sucks for having a defensive head coach. The Panthers, this goes back to what I said a little bit ago about the Panthers. Yes, they're going with Cam as the starter now. How much are they committed to him after the season? The two quarterbacks they have that played this year, Will Greer and Kyle Allen, are not future guys. The Carolina Panthers have expressed admiration for Justin Herbert. They have two college coaches in, Matt Rule from Baylor, uh, Kyle Brady from LSU, two former college coaches coming to the NFL. Justin Herbert would be a great fit for the Carolina Panthers. Big guy, mobile guy, can take a hit. Yes, they can sure up other things on defense, but I think if they want to build towards their future, especially with the owner talking about, talk to me when Cam's healthy. That's a key thing with me picking this. Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but... I think, I don't know if they're committed to Cam long-term, and I don't think they should be committed to him long-term because he's injury-prone. Love Cam's a good quarterback. I almost say I love Cam. I don't love Cam. I like Cam. But I think for the future, especially with Cam's constant injuries, I think Justin Herbert would be a wise move here. I can envision him playing for the Carolina Panthers. I think at the fifth spot, be a great fit for Carolina for their future. Uh, the sixth pick, the L.A. Chargers. I have them taking Tristan Wirfs. They traded away Russell Kung, got a Pro Bowl guard, sure up that right side of the O-line in the guard spot. Their tackle situation is not great. And I think Worse is the best tackle in the draft. I think you got him and Becton, and uh, I think those are my two favorite linemen in this draft. Becton with his monstrous size. Worse is just a, a very, very good pass blocker. So if you get... Uh, Actually, just a very good all-around blocker. You play both right tackle and left tackle, and you get Teddy in there. You shrub your quarterback spot. You build your rest of your offense. You got your guard. Get your tackle. Worst gave up two sacks in his career at Iowa. That's what you look for in an offensive tackle. Not allowing blocks. Forget the measurables. Forget what he did in the combine. I know that's very impressive. We care about what he did on the field. And he dominated on the field. Chargers taking Wirfs at six would be a great pick for them for an offensive line that has sucked for the last 10, 15 years. With the seventh pick, the Lions now up. Take the guy they would have wanted at three, wanted at five, Jeff Okuda from the Ohio State. He's the best corner in the draft. Lions' biggest need, corner. Yes, they got a need at defensive tackle as well with Damon Harrison retiring or leaving in free agency, whatever. They need help at corner. They have one of the worst pass defenses in the league, and Jeff Okuda would sure up that spot. Whether they trade Darius Slay or not, Jeff Okuda is a great pick, whether that's with Darius Slay, without Darius Slay, with anybody. He had zero penalties in college. Just let that sink in. Zero penalties, holdings, pass interferences, whatever. Personal fouls, no penalties. He is the complete cornerback. And I think the Lions 
would be extremely wise to take Jeff Okuda, whether that be a three, five, seven, six, four, two, one, wherever. He has to be their first pick in the draft. Number eight, Arizona takes C.D. Lamb, wide receiver from Oklahoma. Get Kyler Murray's college teammate, C.D. Lamb. Big wide receiver, six foot three, can run block, can catch, can do everything. He is arguably, with him and Jerry Judy, the number one wide receiver prospect in this draft. Cardinals coach Cliff Kingsbury said he loves the top three wide receivers, Lamb, Judy, and Ruggs. CeeDee Lamb going re- reuniting with Kyler Murray last season's Offensive Rookie of the Year would be awesome for the Cardinals' future. This is Larry Fitzgerald's last season. They just signed DJ Humphreys to a big deal to shore up the left side of the O-line. Guess you can shore up the other positions on the O-line. You can get other positions a little bit later in the draft, but CeeDee Lamb would be an awesome pick for the Car- I can just envision it. I'm close to locking that one in. I'm very close to just locking it in. Yes, off the line is a very critical need for the Cardinals, but getting more offensive weapons and eventually replacing Larry Legend is big here for Arizona. So now on the outside, you have Christian Kirk, who might run in the slot now. And then so you got Christian Kirk in the slot, CeeDee Lamb and Larry Fitzgerald on the outside. Who are you covering? Christian Kirk, CeeDee Lamb, former college teammates of Kyler Murray. So they already got a chemistry. Christian Kirk went to Texas A&M with Murray. CeeDee Lamb went to Oklahoma with Kyler Murray. They already have chemistry built up. Oof. Who are you guarding? Who are you guarding there in Arizona? Lamb? Well, then we'll throw to Larry. Are you going to guard Larry? Oh, we'll just chump it down to Kirk. Are you going to guard Kirk? We're going to throw it up top to CeeDee Lamb. Beautiful, beautiful stuff there. The Jacksonville Jaguars at nine will take the best player available, and that is Derek Brown from Auburn. They need help on the defensive line. Their defensive tackle situation is not good at all. It's not good. They were the AFC. They went to the AFC Championship game with one of the best defenses in the league. They just traded away AJ Bouye, so their main target is probably Jeff Okuda. Because now they lost Ramsey and they lost Bouye. Well, actually, didn't lose them. They gave them up, so it's not really losing them. But Derek Jones would sure up a bunch of needs on the defensive line. Their draft is going to be extremely heavy on defense. Extremely heavy. So Derek Jones, with the first pick, is going to sure up that middle of the defense. With the 10th pick, we have the Indianapolis Colts trading up with Cleveland. So obviously trading up. We know this is the quarterback. This is Jordan Love going here at number 10 to the Indianapolis Colts. Sit behind Phillip Rivers eventually take over for Phillip Rivers once he ready once he's ready to retire. So Jordan Love, we went from luck to love, and we love Jordan Love, who's got probably the highest ceiling out of all these quarterbacks in the draft, according to some scouts, compared to Patrick Mahomes for his playmaking ability. It's not really saying he is Patrick Mahomes, which is unfair to say that to any young quarterback, but he has similarities to that of Patrick Mahomes. Yes, he threw 17 interceptions his last year at college, but he handled that very well, saying, if I didn't want to talk about it, I wouldn't have thrown the interceptions. This dude is a good quarterback. Very boomer bust prospect, much like Josh Allen the years before. Josh has turned out to be a very good NFL quarterback so far in his career. Was tied with Russell Wilson and somebody else for maybe, I think, Drew Brees for most fourth quarter comebacks this past season with five. Colts get love, sit behind Rivers, quarterback situation solved there in Indianapolis. New York Jets at number 11 take Mekhi Becton off to tackle from Louisville. Big, 
monstrous left tackle. Help protect Sam Darnold. That's priority number one for New York or New Jersey, whatever you want to call them. They need to protect Sam Darnold. Whether Whatever offensive lineman that is, it's got to be with this 11th pick. Whether you're trading up to get one or not, Sam Darnold needs to be protected. And then you got Le'Veon Bell, who struggled last year because the O-line sucked. You just need to improve your offensive line if you're New York. And getting Becton should be priority number one. I could, just, I could see him playing for the Jets. Now, I had some off news with Quinnen Williams getting arrested. So hopefully Becton, who a lot of Jets coach, I'm pretty sure the Jets wanted Ed Oliver. At least that's what Adam, it sounded like what Adam Gase wanted. But the ownership picked Quinnen Williams. So we'll see what goes on there. Williams did not have a very good rookie season. Oliver had himself a good second half to his rookie season. But getting Becton, I think that'd be a surefire pick at number 11. Number 12, the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, get a number one wide receiver in Jerry Judy. Now, this is a very logical pick. Uh, He's just insane. His route running ability is second to none. He is an amazing wide receiver. Now, there was something that bothered me that I read a couple days ago during the combine, or last week during the combine, the way the media talked about it made him sound like he was this six foot three beast of a wide receiver. He's only six one, and when you hear about him talking about Henry Ruggs, it was it's too small. Henry Ruggs is an inch shorter than Jerry Judy, which is weird for me to think about because when I heard when I basically envisioned Henry Ruggs, I just envisioned a tiny guy compared to Jerry Jones, Jerry Judy. But hey, whatever. Jerry Judy is a great wide receiver and getting him in Las Vegas they need a number one wide receiver they got a very talented tight end Tyrell Williams is still there didn't play a lot last year but talented good running back solid enough offensive line Derek Carr is still there Derek Carr is a solid quarterback now you got Marcus Mariota to back him up push him a little bit Jerry Judy comes in Raiders aren't looking that bad they're not looking that bad once Jerry Judy comes in 13 with the Browns trading back with the Colts take Andrew Thomas Tackle from Georgia. The running back, Nick Chubb, played with col- played in college with Andrew Thomas. If I'm pretty confident he did. Andrew Thomas, for whatever reason, sometimes dips down in different draft boards. I would say here it's either Jedrick Wills or Andrew Thomas. One of those two. Probably be Wills, but just for the sake of played with Nick Chubb, take Thomas. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have any other reasoning that. Those two are equal for me. Wills and Thomas. So get an offensive lineman. You know, the Browns are just going to draft offensive linemen. Just like the Jets, they just need to protect their quarterback. Browns offensive line is not good. They traded away their best offensive lineman to get Odell Beckham. So getting a star wide receiver but sacrificing the position that's going to protect the guy that gets the ball to said star wide receiver, not a great move, which is why John Dorsey and Hugh Jackson don't have jobs anymore. So getting Thomas in there, shoring up one of the positions on the O-line, very smart business for the Browns. It's going to be him or Wills. That's what's going to happen here. One of those two. 14, we have another trade. It is the Buffalo Bills trading up with the Tampa Bay Bucks to select Henry Ruggs third? Bills need help at wide receiver. Looking at what the Chiefs and 49ers did this season with the amount of speed they put on the outside with a talented tight end, Bills have a young, uh, uh, what do you want to call him? A young... Working progress at tight end, I guess you could say, in Dawson Knox. Talented, not the, nowhere near the level of George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, obviously. But the Bills have speed on the outside. Look at that, John Brown, 
John Smokey Brown. Then you got Isaiah McKenzie. You got Robert Foster. Yes, the Bills could look at one of those big-time wide receivers, but the speed, looking at the teams that went to the Super Bowl who built their wide receivers with speed, this is what it looks like. And head coach Sean McDermott said the number one thing he looks for in a wide receiver is if they can catch. Henry Ruggs had one drop in college. And according to a lot of people, he was the alpha in the Alabama wide receiver room. So now the Bills go into next season with Ruggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley in the slot, Isaiah McKenzie, Robert Foster. That's a lot of speed on the outside. Josh Allen not overthrowing those guys. Uh, with the Broncos at 15, I have them taking Jedrick Wills. Uh, best offensive lineman available now that Ruggs is gone. So it's going to be Thomas, Wills, one of those guys will go to Denver if Ruggs is gone. I think the Broncos will look at Ruggs, but there's a lot of talented, speedy wide receivers. Look at Jalen Rager. You can get in the second round as well. Look at them. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, who else do we got? K.J. Hamler's there. So we're going to have some good wide receivers in the later rounds. So build up the offensive line right now for the Broncos. I think the thing with Wills, teams usually look for the position they look for the most, and the most important position on a football field is the left tackle. Because the left tackle, without him, if you don't have a good one, your quarterback's right-handed, they're going to get murdered. I think the thing with Wills is the fact that he's majority played, majority played right tackle. So he needs to prove to teams that he can play both left and right tackle, which is why I have him going to 15 instead of higher than Thomas. So I don't know what will go on there. Maybe Wills goes to Cleveland and they get Trent Williams to play left tackle. That'd be the ideal situation, but I, I don't know. It's I could I could flip these two, Thomas and Wills, and not have any concerns about it. I don't really have any concerns about it now. I think Wills is better, but I think I, I don't know. One of those two will go to <laughs> Cleveland. I don't know which one, and the Broncos will take the next one if Ruggs is gone. And with the Denver Bron- or the Atlanta Falcons at 16, take Kalevon Chison, edge rusher from LSU. Falcons' edge rushing situation last year, atrocious. Terrible. Couldn't get to the quarterback to save their lives. You get speed off the edge like Chison, you are getting to the quarterback like that. Fastest edge rusher in the draft, probably. His get-off is insane. So get it, pairing that with the defense that has struggled for the past few years would be huge for Atlanta. Tyson would solve a lot of problems for the Falcons on their edge rushing. Uh, do we take a break here or do we just keep going? We're taking a short break. Take a very, 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 very short break. We'll come back. We got picks 17 through 32 to get to. That was the first half of Mock Draft 2.0. We'll come back, talk about the rest of it. Uh, right. Come on. Work. There we go. Oh, come on. This is just taking me off right now. Right after this. Open calendar. What's my schedule looking like? Next Thursday, you will be caught in an emergency flash flood between Park and First Street. What? No. No, that, that doesn't work. I'm, I'm busy then. Decline. De- decline. Floods don't exactly work around your schedule. Disasters don't plan ahead. But you can. It starts with talking to your loved ones about making an emergency plan. So don't wait. Communicate. Get started today at ready.gov plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hey, everyone. Let's all stop what we're doing and take a moment. You see? Every moment can be kind of special. But they can be loud moments, goofy moments, dorky moments. It doesn't matter. Because every time dads like us take a moment like that to spend with our kids, well, it's pretty momentous. So let's take a moment to make a moment. 
Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Open road, here comes the Hefley family. You've packed the smartphones, headphones, tablets, water snacks, coolers, sunscreen, bikes, skateboards, games, videos, sunglasses. There's no room for people in here. Just don't wimp out on the most important thing. Deep Deep fried fried butter butter on on a stick. stick. No, seatbelts. Whether it's a long haul or short trip. It's a one-one situation. Never give up until they buckle up. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. 94.5 KULTLP in your car and online. back everybody to this friday edition of the logan blackman show we got about 19 minutes left in today's show it's 141 right now here in cedar falls iowa <clears throat> and right now just a quick checkup on the you and i versus drake game you and i is currently down 48 to 56 got it to within two got it up to 50 to 48 but then drake started going on a little bit of a run now Austin Five starting to pick up the scoring 9.7 rebounds in the game. Drake just scored a three-pointer from Robin Penn and now increased their lead to 11. So and I has got a big uphill battle left in this game. 8.37 left in the entire game. Man, Roman Penn on fire. 20.6 rebounds, seven assists for the Bulldogs. Point guard just got another rebound for the Bulldogs. So you and I looking like their season might be in jeopardy as of right now. We'll keep you posted once that game gets closer to the end. But right now we got more mock draft 2.0 to talk about here on the show. So pick 17, the Dallas Cowboys have stated they are building their defense through free agency and the draft. And the best defensive player available in this draft currently is Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina, the defensive tackle from South Carolina. Cowboys rebuilding their defense, putting him up with Javon Kinlaw as the face of the new rebuild, I guess. But you got Leighton Vander Esch, Jalen Smith. You could go corner here. Looks like they're losing Byron Jones to free agency, looking like the Raiders are going to be pushing hard for him. But Javon Kinlaw, you can't pass on this guy if he falls to you at 17. If he's there, I cannot see the Cowboys passing up on him. With the 18th pick, the Miami Dolphins select Josh Jones. Tackle from Houston. The Dolphins could not leave the first round without an offensive tackle. It doesn't matter who it is. They need to draft an offensive tackle. Their O-line stinks. They traded away their starting left tackle, Laramie Tunsil, who was a first-team All-Pro, I believe, and was a Pro Bowler this year, and let Jawan James go to Denver in free agency last year. So their offensive tackles from two years ago are gone. Their two starting offensive tackles are both gone. So they need to get... An offensive tackle in this draft. Josh Jones is the best one available here at pick number 18. Uh, Number 19, the Raiders' second first-round pick goes to Kenneth Murray, linebacker from Oklahoma. Same pick as last mock draft. Raiders need a playmaker linebacker on defense. Defense just was a a struggle last year for the Raiders. Uh, Max Crosby was a revelation, came second or third in Rookie of the Year voting for Defense Rookie of the Year. Getting Kenneth Murray in there at linebacker, who John Gruden described as an alpha male. 
would be a great pick here at 19. Could see him going to the 12th pick, too. Maybe the Raiders feel that confident about them. They surprised some people last year by drafting Cleveland Farrell last year with the fourth overall pick. Maybe surprised more people this year by taking Kenneth Murray with the 12th pick. So we'll have to wait and see, but they like themselves, Kenneth Murray. I think he'd fit perfectly in there in Las Vegas. The 20th pick, this, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, again, lost Jalen Ramsey, lost A.J. Bouye to their own doing, just traded him away, need to get a corner in this draft. The best one available right now is C.J. Henderson from Florida. So with the 20th pick, they take C.J. Henderson. So they sure up the middle of their defense and get a good outside corner <clears throat> to hopefully bring back Saxonville and get him back to the AFC Championship game. Looks like they're going with Gardner Minshew as the starter quarterback this year. So we might need to get another weapon for him there. But with this pick, the best player available for the Jaguars and what positions they need is C.J. Henderson at corner. With the 21st pick, the Philadelphia Eagles need help at wide receiver. As we've talked about, they had Carson Wentz, one of the first seasons, if I think it was the only season in NFL history, to have a quarterback with over 4,000 yards and not have a receiver over either 500 or 400 receiving yards. I think it's 500 yards, which is absolutely crazy. Injuries galore in the secondary, but I think with this pick, they need to address the wide receiver position. I've heard they love LaVisca Chenault Jr., but I think with right now, it doesn't look like he's going in the first round. Didn't perform great at the combine. His speed that he ran in the 40, this is a perfect example of football speed is different than 40-yard dash speed because LaVisca Chenault is faster than the 4.59. He just is. His football speed is way faster than that. He's also been injury-prone throughout his college career, so which will make him drop a little bit. So maybe the Eagles do go with a cornerback here and take Chennault in the second round. Very logical picks there, but I think right now you take the best wide receiver available, and that is Justin Jefferson from LSU. With his combine performance, he locked up his first-round draft pick status. Ran a 4-4-3-40 when a lot of people had him going in the mid-4-5s. Dominated that. The number one overall pick in the draft, Joe Burrow, has said Justin Jefferson is his guy. So if the best quarterback in the draft, best player in the draft, arguably, says that this guy's the guy, I would take him. Justin Jefferson had a great college career at LSU. And Jamar Chase, arguably better, is going to be looking at a very high draft pick next year. So in the next two drafts, we have the quarterback, the wide receiver going one draft, and then the other star wide receiver goes in next year's draft. Jamar Chase switching his number from number one to seven, which is like one of the most legendary college numbers in America, the 17, or the number seven at LSU. Look at all the great players that have worn that. Tyron Matthew, Patrick Peterson, uh, Leonard Fournette, to go on, to, just to name a few. Number seven's a legendary number at LSU. It, it compares to that of the number seven of Manchester United. Grant Delpit wore it this past season at LSU. Jim Thorpe award winner. Now it goes to Jamar Chase, the best wide receiver in America going into next season. Legendary number. Manchester United number seven, the most legendary number in world soccer. Number seven of LSU, probably the most legendary number in all of college football. That number eludes greatness, and he's going to get drafted high next year, so look out for Jamar Chase. But Justin Jefferson for this one goes number 21 to Philly. With the 22nd pick, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, after trading back with Buffalo, take Neville Gallimore, defensive tackle from Oklahoma. They need to sure up their defense, especially in the middle of their defense. They are getting 
basically everybody on their D-line and edge rushes are leaving in free agency. There are free agents. They are free agents. So it's going to be a period of change in Tampa, whether it be a quarter, just in general, just a period of change in Tampa. But right now I think Neville Gallimore will sure up that middle of the defense and help give a partner to Vitavea in the middle of the defense. They got Vitavea when they traded back with Buffalo last time. They're getting another D-tackle here. Neville Gallimore, extremely athletic defensive tackle from Oklahoma. Number 22, I think, would be a very good pick for Tampa there. You'd also see them staying at 14 and taking Javon Kinlaw, but I think right now Neville Gallimore would be a very wise pick for Tampa. Could also see them going off the line here. 23, New England Patriots, A.J. Epineza from Iowa. That pains a lot of Iowa fans. Don't want to see him go to the New England Patriots. But he's gonna. He didn't have a great combine, so he's going to drop a little bit. He still goes in the first round, in my opinion, because of the abilities he has on the football field. I think he'd just be a perfect fit. I think he'd be a, well, not perfect, a good fit for the New England Patriots, which is a shame for everybody out there. But you know what? That's what we have going on here. 24th pick, the New Orleans Saints take Patrick Queen, linebacker from LSU, extremely athletic linebacker from LSU. Keep him in state. Saints have a linebacker need. A.J. Klein looks like to be leaving in free agency. So replace him with Kenneth Murray, I think, is the best linebacker. I think Patrick Queen's the most athletic linebacker in this draft. Get him there. Now, you could go after a wide receiver here. But I think, again, with this wide receiver class being historically deep, I think you go linebacker here and take a wide receiver a little bit later to help partner Michael Thomas and get another wide receiver and probably Drew Brees' last season in the NFL. Uh, Number 25, the Vikings, I think they'll do two things here. They'll be either lineman or corner. With this pick, I think they'll just go corner. I think they'll take Christian Fulton from LSU, the next best corner in this draft class. Now, they could go family, could do Trayvon Diggs from Alabama, brother Stephon Diggs, but I think Christian Fulton being the next best corner in the draft would be the wiser pick here. But you know the NFL, they love to do those connection things. Orlando Brown gets drafted by the Ravens, where his dad played. Uh, Brian Burns from the Carolina Panthers grew up going in the Panthers locker room and everything. Like, you have all these connections throughout the NFL, and they love doing that. So maybe the Vikings do that here, but I think Christian Fulton is the best available corner there for Minnesota. Uh, number 26, the Detroit Lions take Ross Blacklock, Blacklock from TCU. I think they're going to target Neville Gallimore, but if he's not there, Ross Blacklock is the next best defensive tackle. Boomer bust prospect when talking about the defensive tackles in this draft. They have a Damon Harrison-sized hole, per se, in the middle of their defense, and Ross Blacklock would surely fill that hole for the Detroit Lions. Very talented defender, very talented defensive tackle. So you go leave the first round with Jeff Okuda and Ross Blacklock. That's a very good draft for the first day of the draft for the Detroit Lions. Sure up two big need the two biggest needs on their roster are now good. For for right now, at least. For right now. Hopefully get their defense out of the basement in the NFL. Uh twenty seven, we have a trade. Uh the Seattle Seahawks are apparently looking to make a big time trade in the NFL. Trading out of the first round, and this pick would go but to Jacksonville. So they get Yannick Ngakwe who is getting franchise tagged by Jacksonville, who will be traded. Seattle losing Jadavion Clowney. Did the exact same thing last year with Clowney, 
and they don't have a lot of draft picks. So they would get they would send the first round pick, get in maybe a late round pick as well, or a mid round pick for him as well. So with this pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they got two positions of need on defense figured out. Now they get the wide receiver, get Denzel Mims from Baylor. Get Gardner Minshew another weapon on the outside. And the Jaguars are looking pretty solid again. You get Derek Jones, one of the best defensive tackles in the draft class. And I keep saying Jones. I don't know why I wrote that down as Jones. It's Brown. I keep saying Derek Jones. Why did I have it typed down as Jones? And it just popped in my head. It's not, it's Brown. Why did I say that? Why have I been saying Jones the entire time? So you get Derek Brown from Auburn at nine, CJ Henderson at 20, and then you get a young wide receiver to help partner DJ Chark or Clark, whichever one, go number 27. I think it's Chark. CJ Chark. Yeah, that one. Now you got a good wide receiver, good corner, good defensive tackle. Jaguars have a great day one in the draft. Great day one. You can get an edge rusher later in the draft as well. So yeah, Jacksonville winning right now, possibly, in the first round. 28, the Baltimore Ravens haven't really figured out this position since they let, they didn't solve it last year after they let Zadarius Smith go to the Packers. So now the Ravens sure up the edge rusher spot and get your tear gross mottos from Penn State, who a lot of people think have his has his best football ahead of him. Playing for Baltimore, and it'd be a solid, very solid pick. They're a very talented edge rusher from Penn State. Now you could look at Zach Bond from Wisconsin, Terrell Lewis from Alabama as well as another pick that you could look at here. But I think they could also look at Kenneth Murray, Patrick Queen, one of the linebackers here. But those two are both gone. So taking the best edge rusher available in Gross Matos be a very wise pick for the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I could see him going 27 to the Jaguars if the Jaguars want to take an edge rusher to place the outgoing in Gakwe. Very logical stuff there. But I think with them going wide receiver, the Ravens will bounce on taking you to your Gross Matos there. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, after more than likely losing Jack Conklin this offseason, they're going to need an offensive tackle to help replace him. And that offensive tackle is Austin Jackson from USC. Shoring up one of your sides of the offensive line, you got Terrell Lewan on one side. Jack Conklin looks like he's gone, so then you get Austin Jackson to replace him. If they don't, look for an edge rusher or defense alignment, someone in like that for Tennessee. But if he does leave, which it looks very likely, Take the best off to tackle available in Austin Jackson. The Green Bay Packers in this mock draft take their heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers and Jacob Eason. Now, I remember when the Drackers drafted Aaron Rodgers in the first round back in 05, they had Brett Favre there. And Aaron Rodgers sat for three years behind Brett Favre before he was ready to take the starting job. Jacob Eason has all the talent in the world to be a talented quarterback in the NFL. He's just, I don't think he's ready to start right away. I think sitting behind Aaron Rodgers would be the best thing available for him and his career long term. I think Jacob, I can envision Jacob Eason playing for the Green Bay Packers. Strong arm, big dude. I think sitting behind Aaron Rodgers would do him a great service for him. And give Aaron Rodgers a solid backup. They haven't had a good backup to Aaron Rodgers since Matt Flynn. Boyle, who the backup is now, is not ready to go in if Rodgers gets hurt. That's why Eason is a very wise pick here. Could also get a wide receiver here. Aaron Rodgers only trusts one receiver, so T. Higgins could be an option here. 
But I think right now, Jacob Eason, get your quarterback of the future. I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is done. He's not done. But look towards the future with Eason there. And the last two picks, the Super Bowl teams, San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs. San Francisco takes the best safety available. Xavier McKinney from Alabama can play both corner and safety. The 49ers need some help in the secondary. Not saying their secondary is bad or anything. Just get some youthfulness and some athleticism in there. And with McKinney, you get that. playing verse, He's a versatile player, very talented player from Bama. A great, solid pick for the San Francisco 49ers there. And then with the last pick in the first round, the Kansas City Chiefs select Jalen Johnson, cornerback from Utah. Fills what the Kansas City Chiefs want to do on defense. Chiefs need help at corner. And Johnson plays the type of defense best that the Kansas City Chiefs play. So I think he would be a very good pick here and had a very lengthy interview with, I think, Steve Spagnola. If I remember right, if I read that wrong, that's my bad. But, yeah, that is my mock draft 2.0. So let's quickly run through the picks here. Joe Burrow, number one to Cincy. Chase Young, number two to Washington. Miami takes two after trading up to number three. Isaiah Simmons to the G-Man at four. Justin Herbert to the Panthers trading up the Lions. Tristan Wirfs goes to the Chargers at six. Jeff Okuda to the Lions at 7. CeeDee Lamb to the Cardinals at 8. Derek Brown, not Jones, to the Jaguars at 9. Jordan Love trading up to get him his Indy at 10. Mekhi Becton, the Jets at 11. Jerry Judy, number 12, to the Raiders. Andrew Thomas or Jedrick Wills, don't care which one. One of them will go there, the other one won't. To 13, to the Browns. Bills trade up to get the speedster Henry Ruggs. Jedrick Wills or George Th- or Andrew Thomas goes to the Denver Broncos at 15. Kalevon Chison to the Falcons at 16. Javon Kinlaw, best defensive player available, goes to the Cowboys at 17. Josh Jones to the Dolphins at 18. Kenneth Murray, number 19 of the Raiders. C.J. Henderson to the Jaguars. Justin Jefferson, wide receiver, goes to the Eagles at 21. Neville Gallimore goes to the Buccaneers at 22. A.J. Epineza goes to the Patriots at 23. Patrick Queen to the Saints at number 24. Vikings stir up their cornerback spot. Look for them maybe go with an offensive lineman here at 25 with Christian Fulton. Lions get Ross Blacklock to stir up their defensive line. Denzel Mims goes to the Jaguars after Ngakwe goes to Seattle. Yatir Grossmanos to Baltimore at 28. Austin Jackson replacing Jack Conklin at tackle for the Titans at 29. Jacob Easton, the heir apparent to Rodgers at 30. Xavier McKinney, Safety from Alabama going 31 to the Niners. And Jalen Johnson going number 32 to the Kansas City Chiefs. So there is Mock Draft 2.0. Give yourself a round of applause, Logan. Yeah. Yeah. We did it. Finally one that I actually kind of liked. And I don't even really like that one a ton. But it's good enough for me. I enjoy doing Mock Drafts. It's one of my favorite times of the year since I can't watch football. I mean, we got the XFL, but it's not it's not the NFL. So we got that. But, yeah, I think today was a really successful show. I look forward to seeing you guys on Monday on the Logan Blackman Show Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. It should be all done and dusted by this point. And sadly, right now, to update you on the UNI Panthers versus Drake Bulldogs game, the UNI Panthers are currently losing to the Drake Bulldogs 71-56 to with a minute 30 left in the ball game. So it looks like UNI's conference tournament run is over today. 72-56 to right now. 
Drake is winning. So my tournament bracket is done. Roman Penn for Drake, as of right now, 26 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. AJ Green with 19, and Drake just scored another free throw, 73-56. to It's over for you and I in the conference tournament. We'll see if that affects their chances of getting an at-large bid. We'll have to wait and see. If not, they've got an NIT bid locked up, but no one wants to play in the NIT. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Other Missouri Valley Conference action. We've got Southern Illinois and Bradley taking place at 2.30. Valpo and Loyola at 6. Missouri State and Indiana State at 8.30 tonight. Iowa and Iowa State are both in action this weekend. Iowa State tomorrow against Kansas State and Iowa against Illinois on Sunday. So that's all I've got for you today on the Logan Blackman Show on this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We'll be back to you on Monday. It'll be only an hour-long show. I've got an interview to do at noon. So we'll be here at around 1. So stay tuned for that show coming up on Monday, a little shorter show just recapping what happened in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. Man, stings. Really stings. You and I with a very good season cannot get it done in the tournament. Again, we'll have to wait and see how that takes how that affects their conference tur- how that affects the NCAA tournament bid, but you never know. But that's all I've got for you today. I will see you guys on Monday. Have a good rest of your day and peace.